welcome to our third week in our series, Relation Flip. Uh, we, I was going to try to wrap up the series this week, but there's just too much stuff to get to. So we will wrap up the series next Sunday. We have one more week of this. But what we've talked about so far is how we all recognize and realize that relationships can quickly go sour. Uh, there are things that just just ruin relationships very quickly, and relationships are so important. So we want to try to look at the scriptural principles that give us these ideas of how we can flip those negative things around. We talked about in our first week how we communicate, how we use our words, how we can change the tone of our conversations. Uh, last week we talked about forgiveness, and today I want to talk to you about boundaries. About boundaries. Um, in a book that is kind of one of the bases, bases of my sermon today, uh, the book entitled Boundaries, uh, it is one of the best sellers. I highly recommend it, especially today if something strikes a chord, get this book and go into this further. But I want to just read for you kind of part of the introduction to this book because I think it sets the stage so well. So I don't I don't love to sit here and read, but I, I just can't articulate it better than they do. So, so bear with me here as I read just a little bit of the introduction to this book. And uh, this is entitled, A Day in a Boundaryless Life. Anybody maybe can relate to that, I think. Um, as the alarm went off, bleary-eyed from too little sleep, Sherry shut off the noisy intruder, turned on the bedside lamp, and sat up in bed. Looking blankly at the wall, she tried to get her bearings. Why am I dreading this day? Lord, didn't you promise me a life of joy? I don't know if you start your day like that or not, but it depends on probably what time the alarm goes off. Then as the cobwebs left her mind, Sherry remembered the reason for her dread. The four o'clock meeting with Todd's third grade teacher. The phone, returned to, phone call returned to her memory. Sherry, this is Jean Russell. I wonder if we could meet about Todd's performance and his behavior. Todd couldn't uh, keep still and listen to his teachers. He didn't even listen to Sherry and Walt. Todd was such a strong-willed child, she didn't want to quench his spirit. Wasn't that more important? Well, no time for worry about that, Sherry said to herself, raising her 35-year-old body off the bed. Pat, uh, going to the shower, I've got enough troubles to keep me busy all day. Under the shower, Sherry's mind moved out of first gear. She been, began mentally uh, tickle, ticking off the day's schedule. Todd, nine, and Amy, six, would be a handful, even if she weren't a working mother. Let's see, fix breakfast, pack two lunches, finish showing Amy's costume for the school play. That will be a trick. Finish showing Amy's costume before the carpool picks her up at 7.45 a.m. Sherry thought regretfully about the last night. She planned to work on Amy's costume, using her talents to make a special day for her little girl, but her mother had dropped over unexpectedly. Good manners dictated that she played hostess, and another evening was shot. The memory of her attempts to salvage the time weren't pretty. She tried to be diplomatic. diplomatic. Sherry's art Sherry artfully told her mother, you can't imagine how much I enjoy your surprise visits, Mom. But I was wondering, would you mind if I sew Amy's costume while we talk? Sherry cringed inwardly. 
correctly, correctly anticipating her mother's response. Sherry, you know I'd be the last one to intrude on your time with your family. I mean, since your father died, it's been such an empty time. I still miss our family. How could you deprive you of that for yourself? I bet, I bet I'll find out how, Sherry thought to herself. That's why I can't understand why you don't bring Walt and the children to see me anymore. How could I be entertaining? I'm just, just a lonely old lady who gave her entire life to her children. Who'd want to spend time with me? No, Mom, no, no, no. Sherry quickly joined the emotional um, uh, minute, and she and her mom had been dancing for decades. That's not what I meant at all. I mean, it's so special having you over. With our schedule, we, we wish you would visit more. And so the story continues. I'm not going to read the entire thing. I just wanted to give you a taste of the idea of unhealthy boundaries. The story continues. I, like I said, I highly recommend the book where she goes through, has a day, uh, go, gets late to work. Uh, people drop things on her lap at work like last minute. She rushes off to her her appointment with her son's teacher. She hears about how he's misbehaving. She goes home and uh, has all these struggles with dinner. She uh, stays up late working on the project she has from work and has some difficult conversations with her husband. Can anybody relate to a boundaryless life? Anybody? Can you relate to that? Can you relate to all of a sudden feeling like everything around you is just kind of dictated by others? Everybody tells you how to live your life, and sometimes it just it feels like everything is going by, and all you're doing is living everybody else's life. Sometimes we have unhealthy boundaries in our life. And I think that there are lots of different errors in boundaries, but I want to just paint the big picture, and it's something that is, is consistently made clear throughout the Scripture, and it'll kind of set the stage for everything else we talk about today, is that there's two huge boundary errors that people make. And the first one is this. They say, they kind of think in their head, I know this is, this is kind of crazy and obvious, but we do this all the time. The first error that we make is we, we kind of take on the role of God. Like, I am God. I will save everyone. I will do everything. I will solve everybody's problems. And nobody should do that. Nobody should take on or think that they need to take the role of God in other people's lives. You are not God to anyone. You cannot save anyone. But sometimes we think like that and we act like that. You know, no one should control us as far as how we live our life. They shouldn't control our, our shouldn't be controlled in any kinds of ways. We can't be controlled by manipulation. We can't be controlled by guilt. We can't be controlled by anger of others. When we do that, we're kind of, you know, we're living this codependent life. A life where we are like kind of helping facilitate other people's dependence on us. If you're, if you're ever familiar with any of the kind of um, uh, conversation that goes on in 
uh, addiction counseling and meetings. That there is, of course, conversation about uh, dependent people who have some kind of substance that is controlling their life. But to, what corresponds almost always with that is somebody who is a codependent, who's empowering and justifying somebody's actions that are negative. And that's why there's support groups for spouses of addicts and parents of addicts, because many times when you see an addict, you see a codependent, somebody who is just kind of almost trying to make up for other people's errors. Let me just say, you can never play that role in somebody's life. And sometimes we make the error that we think that we are God to other people. And that is a codependent relationship from others. That's not a proper boundary. The other error is that we view others as you should be my God. You should be the one that takes care of all of us. That's from the opposite perspective. Like in the story, the kids and the mother that are like relying on uh, this, this figure who is just running around living everybody else's life without any kind of boundaries, any kind of like structure whatsoever. Where sometimes what we do is we look at others and say, you save me. You solve my problems. I have financial problems. Come fix it. I have emotional problems. Come fix it. I have relationship problems. You deal with it instead of taking personal responsibility. So these two huge errors of, of boundaries come into our life all the time. And we may think, oh, those are pretty obvious. Obviously, I'm not God. Obviously, other people around me can't, can't play that role and be God. But we do this all the time. You know, in relationships and work, we have people that, that do all of the work, and then other people kind of like rely on others to do it, right? Doesn't that happen? There's this principle in leadership called the Pareto Principle. I probably mispronounced that, but it was some, uh, it, it, it goes kind of like this, that 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And it's kind of a leadership thing that, that is true in almost any organization, Happens in at, at work, it happens in homes, it happens in churches, it happens in PTAs, it happens in schools, it happens all over the place. Where there's some people that are just kind of those codependent people thinking, I'm going to save everything, and they run around like crazy trying to solve everybody's problems, and they do all the work. And then there's 80% of people that are just uh, relying on those 20% to do everything else. Guess what? Neither of them are healthy. Neither of them are right. It's either a codependent person or a dependent person. And both of those are a relationship error that is just telling that there's no true boundaries that are taking place. And it's unhealthy. And guess what? Everybody's miserable. You know what? A lot of times in marriages... A codependent will marry a dependent. And this is kind of how sometimes marriages function. Miserably for years and years and years. As people, uh, one person takes responsibility for everything. 
and another person takes no responsibility at all. And you know what is interesting? It's not a, a perfect one-to-one -one thing. I was evaluating and thinking about in my own life what kind of relationships I have. And I say, and I think sometimes I am a codependent running around doing everything for everybody else. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to just run faster. I'm going to wear myself out. And, and, and you know, it's going to be tough, but I'll drink a lot of coffee and I'll make it happen. And then there's other times I act like a dependent. And I get grumpy at people, and I say, how come you didn't do this? How come you didn't do that? You know what, Scary? Can I, be, can, can I be very vulnerable with you, and please give me grace? Here's how I do it in my life, okay? Can I confess this as we're all kind of working through some of these things? How I do this is with people who are kind of my friends and outside relationships, outside of my inner circle, I'm kind of codependent, and I'll take care of everything for them. And the people who are really close to me, sometimes I'm a dependent. And I, I won't ask people who are far away, or like maybe just not in my, my inner circle, I won't ask too much of them. I'll try to solve all their problems. But then with my wife and kids, like don't do what I expect my wife and kids to do, I act a little bit like a dependent. How weird that we have these different relationships. How weird that we have weird boundaries like this where sometimes we expect, we kind of act like we're God and other times we expect other people to be God for us. Neither of them are healthy. And you know, it's really amazing in scripture how this is something that is a bigger theme than I ever thought or imagined. But if you look at it, Look at this prophetic, amazing Bible verse in John chapter 1, where John, one of the disciples, who is not like a clinical psychologist, who is not a doctor, like kind of diagnosing uh, how people should treat one another. Look at how John, just the simple disciple, describes how Jesus came. Look at this. Look at this Bible verse in John chapter 1, 14. John describes Jesus... And he says, the word became flesh. Jesus came down to earth, became flesh and blood. He made his dwelling among us. We have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Those two words go perfectly together. And they bring the perfect balance of understanding how we can approach relationships in a, in a healthy way. No codependence or dependence, full of grace and truth. You know, if you look all throughout scripture, you see this. This is how God treats us. This is how God responds to us, full of grace and full of truth. Is that if you look through all Jesus' different action, interactions with people, I'm not going to read through those stories. We don't have enough time today. But the interactions Jesus has with people, he, he interacted with a woman at the well who was, who was kind of ostracized because of her multiple adulteries and marriages and things like that. And he talked to her and had an encounter with her and said, you know what? You're forgiven. Go and sin no more. 
Do you see the two things, grace and truth? He said, you are forgiven of all the sins and all the things you've done in the past. However, you need to change in your life. Grace, forgiveness, giving people opportunity to to, to be loved and cared for despite what they've happened in their past, but also truth. He encountered a guy by the name of Zacchaeus who was a tax collector and stole from people. And he, he had dinner with them. And he said, you know what, Zacchaeus, I want to have dinner with you and have this conversation with you. And Zacchaeus, at the end of it, like, saw the error of his ways, gave back his money. And it was an opportunity for forgiveness. But he needed to make things right. He needed to know that the truth was he was harming and stealing from others. And he couldn't do that anymore. Jesus had an encounter with a woman caught in adultery where they were going to put her to death because of her sins. And he stops and he says, you know what? Those who have not sinned cast a first stone, forgives her, and then tells her to leave her life of sin. Okay, so it's grace and truth. And that's how Jesus always responds to people. And if you want to put it another way, another way you can put it is freedom and responsibility. That's another way to put, say the same thing. And this is how God established our relationship. Sometimes we don't like that. But he gave us freedom. He gave us freedom to choose, freedom to do a lot of things in our life. We can pick the job we want. We can do different things. We can make our own choices. God gave us freedom. And that's in the scripture what it says. He says, this, you are free to love. You are free to do what you want. You're free to make of your life what you want. But with freedom, you have responsibility. Because when you make a choice that's destructive to others, When you make a choice that's destructive to yourself, there's consequences that follow. Freedom and responsibility go hand in hand. Some people want freedom, but they don't want the burden of responsibility. And so they put the burden of responsibility on other people. Say, I want to be free to live a reckless life, and I'm going to be a dependent and you be responsible. That's how a dependent lives their life. Sometimes a codependent lives their life where they don't have any freedom at all because they're taking responsibility for somebody else's actions. You see, they both have to go hand in hand. You need freedom and responsibility or else it's, it's chaos and it's crazy. So Jesus comes full of grace and full of truth. And this is how God designed relationships. This is how we should treat our relationships so we don't get out of balance and there are no boundaries on our life. 1 Peter 4.10 says this. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servants of God's grace in its various forms. We should be people who are gracious. We should serve others graciously. We should give a lot of freedom and latitude to others. We should be forgiving. Last week we talked about forgiveness. Listen 
online to our, our, our podcast of last week if you want to get more into that. But we should be people of grace, and that is how our relationship with God is established. In grace, there is safety. And here's how it works, is we can know 100% that no matter what, God will still love us. That's what grace is all about. We can know that God will love us. No matter how far we run from God, God will love us and we can be safe in that and know that. And you know what? It's, it's only in that safe environment that we can, we can truly experience and understand God. You know, it's sometimes frustrating if you have kids, and I have two kids, where, you know, like, you go to their parent, you go and talk to teachers or other people, and they're like, your kids are so well-behaved. And you're like, no, they're not. At my house, they're absolutely not well-behaved. They are, they're really difficult, and sometimes they don't listen to me. You know what's going on? In your home, they feel safe. Kids feel safe and know they'll be loved no matter what. And sometimes they go out and they put up some, like, they're not maybe their true self because they know that they maybe are not safe. Safety is an important part of relationships. And you know, it's an important part of your marriage. It's not something that, like, if you are in a relationship with your kids or your spouse and all of a sudden they make a mistake, there goes the relationship. If that's how we live our relationships, we will never be able to sustain anything. If there's no forgiveness, if there's no grace, if there's no opportunity for these things, you will be alone because people will let you down. We have to be gracious. We have to be gracious in churches because there's no perfect church and we fault at one another. But we are graciously working and striving towards the same thing. This is a safe place. That's the idea. And God is gracious. God loves. God always will love. God's love is unconditional. And you, even if you are the superstar Christian and you do everything right, God's love will not grow for you because of those things. But guess what? God's love won't diminish for you either when you sin. God is, God loves. God is gracious. His relationship with you is not contingent on your actions. His love for you is not contingent on your actions. So grace is important, but there's also truth. Without one without the other, it all falls apart. Truth, in Ephesians 4:15, it says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. If you want to grow mature, if you want to live in reality, you have to embrace the truth. The truth is when we sin, there's consequences. The truth is when we harm others, we are going to face and, and, and deal with the fallout as a result of that. There is the balance between grace and truth. Truth is what is real. 
This world has to be real, rooted in reality. We can't live in a fantasy world where we think that we can just do whatever we want and there will be no consequences. We can't. How interesting is it that generationally, the older generations are looking at the younger generations and saying, you stinking kids. You don't have any responsibility whatsoever. You need to know that hard work and effort and all these things, that's what it takes to succeed in life, you entitled little kids. And the kids are looking up and they're saying, you parents, you did everything for us. You never asked us to be responsible whatsoever. You were codependent in what we did. This is what we do. And this has been a theme in relationships over and over and over where there is an unbalanced relationship between grace and truth. Where there is like just kind of this picture of love that has no natural consequences associated with it whatsoever. So grace provides safety, but truth provides structure. And one without the other it all falls apart and you have an unhealthy relationship. There are consequences, but our love should not be conditional. So what's the answers? And I'm referring quite a bit back to the book that I already referenced. The answer is to set up boundaries. To set up these boundaries, to set up kind of these markers, to set up these parameters for which we conduct our relationship. And boundaries... Uh, as described in the book, uh, is, it talks about, it says, boundaries are like property lines, okay? Property lines, where everybody understands who owns what, right? Property lines are important. So you know, this is, like if it's at your house in your backyard, you're like, I'm responsible for this yard. When the HOA comes knocking, they know who is associated with this property and what the boundary lines are for it, right? And when the HOA's trees are dead, hey, HOA, get your act together. How about you, you replace your dead trees instead of telling me to replace my dead trees, right? Because what we need to recognize is there's some things that are our property and some things that are not. There's some things that are our property and some things that are not. So, a couple of, like, just kind of helpful things to kind of think about boundaries is, first of all, we should love others without trying to rescue them. We should love others without, like, this need to rescue them. That is something that they need to do themselves. I understand in our relationships with our kids and things like this, sometimes it's a little bit different. But listen... We, yes, when kids are babies, when there's an infant crying because they have a dirty diaper, we go and we rescue them, right? We change their diaper. Guess what, though? As a parent, the goal is at some point in time that they're able to manage that on their own. That's the goal, right? As a parent. The goal, that's the goal. That's pretty much all what parenting is, is getting them to the point where they are responsible for their own life. There are points in time where we love in a way where we rescue everyone from 
any kind of pain, any kind of consequence, anything that is going on. We do this with coworkers. We do it with friends. We do it with our kids. Do you want a great little parenting tip? Here's a little just tidbit parenting tip. If there's something that your kid can do without your help, they need to do it. They do. They need to do it. And that's hard sometimes because they probably won't do it as well or as efficiently as you. But unless you want to raise a dependent kid who's in your house until you're 40 years old, until they're 40 years old, they have to do, if they can do it, they need to do it. They do. And instead of running around and solving all the problems, when they're, when they make a choice that the outcome of that is a consequence, they need to feel that consequence. You understand that? That is hard as a parent, right? That is hard to to allow your kids to face a consequence. Well, if you take your consequence from them, if you take away the consequence that they should face as a result of their action, you're creating a dependent. You're creating this place where you're just... You're solving all the problems for somebody else. And that isn't, that isn't healthy. That isn't good. And that's, that is the beauty, and that's what God does. It's really frustrating sometimes that God allows us to face the consequence of our sin, but that is how God treats us. He gives us freedom, and when we abuse that, there's consequences. We have to face it. He doesn't, he doesn't like allow this wor- in this world like all of the consequences of people's actions just to be wiped away. He doesn't. That's why there's death. That's why there's all these things that we face and we see. Of course, ultimately, God is a God of grace, and he says there's something greater for us even beyond this life. And there is forgiveness, and there is salvation, but there is consequence. There's so many dependent relationships that it, it, it's pretty unbelievable. There's people that are completely dependent on the government being their God. There's people that are completely dependent on a friend being their God to solve all their problems. There are people that are dependent on a spouse, a parent, a child, on and on and on and on and on. Love, you, can, you have to love others without rescuing them. In Boundaries, um, Dr. Cloud and Townsend talk about there are moments in time where somebody is facing a major crisis and our, our role as people of faith who are compassionate and gracious is to walk beside them and help carry that big burden, kind of like there's times in life where people get a big boulder put on their shoulders, where it's like a major illness, a major crisis, a major situation going on in their life, and the community of faith, people of grace, are here to like, man, you are going through it. We're here to carry that boulder, but what we will not do is carry like your emotional baggage or personal responsibility. We won't take on you what your mood is. That's not, I I can't do that. I cannot be dependent on your mood. That's unhealthy. 
I can pray for you. I can be an encouragement for you. But if you decide that you're just going to completely shut off the rest of the world and be joyless, I, I can't create joy in your life. That's not something I can do. I can't decide to get you up in the morning. I can't decide what your actions are going to be. But you know what? If you're facing a major thing here, I'll carry that with you for a season or for a time, but there's things that you're going to have to be responsible for yourself, and I can't ever do that. And if I do, you'll, you'll be a dependent on me, and I'm limited, and I can't do everything for you, and I'm not your Savior, and you're looking in the wrong direction. God is our Savior. We all look to him. So if there's something that others should be doing for themselves, guess what? They need to do it for themselves. That is not unloving. Another way to kind of think about boundaries is learn to confront and love. Learn to tell the truth. Learn to communicate clearly how things are going to go. You might have a friendship or a relationship or a family member where over and over and over the same problem arises and they come to you to bail them out. And it's emergency from emergency that they're running from emergency to emergency. And it's like you're there. You're the backup plan. There may be a point in time where you say, you know what? I'm sorry, but your financial struggle right now in your life is something that you're going to have to manage. You're going to have to deal with that. I am not going to be able to financially support you. And I'm sorry that that's painful right now in your life. But that's the truth. I have a limited amount of resources, and you need to manage that on your own. I'm not going to solve your problem this time. I love you, but I'm not going to solve that. There's a story that Dr. Townsend tells about a family that had to make an incredibly difficult decision regarding boundaries. Where their 19-year-old daughter was getting caught up in, in a, lot of, a lot of mess. There was uh, grades started failing when she was off to college. Lots of parties, lots of uh, substance abuse. And this happened multiple times over and over and lies were told. And at one point in time, the daughter was in the house and after multiple conversations found there were some drugs in the house. And the parents said, I'm sorry, we love you, but you need to leave. You have two hours to get your things, and you need to leave the house. And the daughter is flabbergasted and angry and upset and all of these different things. And they say, we will have a conversation about this. We love you. We will support you. We will help you. But you cannot stay in this home. That's not allowed in our home. So for a season of time, their daughter went from house to house, kind of couch surfing, living in other people's houses, and did not talk to their parents for about six months. And then at a point in time, came back. The parents never, the love never stopped, but came back and she realized, I can't live my life this way and this is the consequences of my actions. And their relationship was restored. That's hard, right? That is painful. But there's times in life where we have to tell the truth. 
Next week, I was going to talk about this uh, in conjunction with this week, but next week we'll really talk about dealing with conflict. I just felt like we didn't have enough time to d- tackle both of them, but get more into how do we deal with just direct one-to-one con- conflict? How do we work out disagreements between people and loved ones? So we'll talk about that next week. But I just want you to hear that there are times where the loving response is telling the truth and saying this is going to be the consequence that takes place as a result of what you do. And I'm sorry. There has to be some boundary lines. Some more skills from the book. Start from a position of love. Say no when it's best. And let consequences happen. Sometimes people will only learn through pain. It's of course better to learn from words. God gives us great advice in scripture about how we should live. Sometimes people will only learn through facing consequences. You know what? Be the type of person that learns from the scripture's advice and words and and wise counsel from others, or else you're going to be one of these people that has to face the pain of the consequence of your actions. But these are things that we have to uh, uh, allow. We have to start from a position of love, say no when it's best, give allow consequences to happen. Um, with the one saying no, uh, this is a hard one for me. I don't know if it is for you. But a suggestion that they make is they say, uh, this is a way to put it. That doesn't work for me. Sometimes you have to say that. It's a kind way just to say, you know what, I'm sorry, that's not going to work for me. If you're not able to say no, you will end up converting to be a Jehovah's Witness. You'll buy a Kirby vacuum cleaner. You will uh, be the president of the PTSA. You will have four different jobs, and your life will be miserable. At some point, you have to say no, and you have to set priorities of what's the most important in your life, and sometimes you just have to say no. That's what you have to do. There is great hope for relationships that bring peace, not stressful, codependent, or dependent relationships. But we have to set boundaries. We have to allow for these things to be structured in a way that it's healthy for everyone. If you're codependent, you're not helping. You're hurting people. You're crippling them. If you're a dependent, you need to take responsibility for your actions. It's time to grow up a little better. Time to face the music and deal with the reality of life. I want you to think about, before you go, I want you to think about in your life, who are you asking inappropriately to be your God? Who is it? Is there anybody that you're asking to do something that is impossible? That they can't, they can't do that for you. Or on the other side, who's asking you to be their God? Where do you need to like kind of put on the brakes and say, that's, I'm not your savior. And I'm not able to do that. Relationships filled with grace and truth in the pattern that Jesus gave us sets healthy boundaries and makes it better for all parties on all sides. If not, 
It's just going to be a stressful, painful encounter for everyone. Pray with me. God, I pray that you would help us to be people that have appropriate boundaries in our relationships. God, the relationships that you give us are an incredible gift. But we know it takes wisdom. It takes work. It takes effort. God, help us to follow your pattern. To come to other people full of grace and full of truth. I want to invite you right now just to offer your own prayers to God. Maybe you need to think and reflect on people in your life that you have an out of balance, out of bounds, no boundaries in that relationship. You just need to confess that to God and think about some wise ways that you can put some things in your life to create healthy boundaries. Of course, this is difficult. This is tough. This is an art. This takes practice. But pray to God that he would help you, that he would encourage you, give you the courage to do the right thing.